The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Thanks for tuning in to Brothers on Law on Go Country 105. I'm Larry Mandel. And I'm Rob Mandel. And we've been trial attorneys here in Los Angeles for over 40 years. On our show, we will discuss current events, talk about legal issues, and have some very entertaining guests stop by. So stay tuned every week for Brothers on Law right here on Go Country 105. All right, this is Rob Mandel from the Brothers on Law, and I'm here with my brother. Larry Mandel. And again, we want to do a shout-out to Debbie, the Mortgage Mom. We're so happy our show comes right after yours, Debbie. It's all good stuff. So, Larry. Yes. What do we do over here again? Well, we handle all types of collisions, auto collisions, and injuries related to various types of cases where there's a pedestrian motorcycle accident things of that nature and you know among other things yeah yeah and product liability but, but it's not always easy to no. know exactly how uh, a, a collision crash, would occur a crash yeah. would would have happened right and so it becomes contentious and at times we have to hire an expert to figure out who caused what it's always good to take photographs at the scene and that leads us to our very special guest today who is lauren starks who has a background as an LAPD officer in traffic division and now is an accident reconstructionist where he reconstructs the accidents and helps us figure out who caused what in the collision. And it's he's part of DNS investigation. So hey, welcome, Lauren. Welcome, Thank Lauren. You. Thank you very much. First of all, you were a traffic uh, officer with the LAPD for how many years? Uh, I was actually with the LAPD for 25 years. 20 of it was in traffic. And when you say traffic, what did that involve? That involved uh, investigating traffic accidents, taking the reports, writing tickets, booking drunk drivers, and later on uh, doing traffic accident reconstruction work for the city of Los Angeles. Well, what is traffic reconstruction work? There's actually several parts to it. Basically, when a traffic accident occurs, you look for different things such as the speeds of the vehicles. You look for liability issues, uh, whether a vehicle ran a stop sign, ran a red light, made a left turn in front of another car, was speeding. Uh, you do several calculations regarding time, distance, and speed of vehicles along with perception reaction time of the drivers. So you're at the scene and you interview, as a police officer, you're at the scene and you interview the people that are involved in the collision, right? That's correct. That's part of the first step. Yes. And that's important because people are going to be more apt to maybe tell the truth as to what occurred as opposed to reflecting on it two or three days later, right? That's correct. And so if somebody is in a collision, is it important to call the police? Yeah, usually it does. If it's a small collision, property damage only, you don't need to call the police for that. That's mainly an insurance claim. Right, and they won't come out. Will LAPD come out if, if somebody were to call and say, I was in an accident and I need you to come out here? Well, I've been retired for 25 years, so their policies have changed a lot. I deal with a lot of insurance companies across the United States. And a lot of them will not come out unless there is an injury involved. LAPD 
policy now is they won't come out unless ambulances are rolling. Or there's a crime committed, like one of the parties is a drunk driver. If, they, if someone suspects, uh, you know, that someone is drunk, that's true. But normally if it's just uh, a crash and, and, uh, and even if someone thinks they're hurt or they have an injury, unless that ambulance is on its way, the LAPD won't come out. Yeah, it's too bad because yeah. so many times when you're at the scene and people are explaining what happened, it's so important to have that recorded at that time because things change, as I mentioned. Their story changes, and now you're, it's he said, she said. So, uh, Lauren, tell us, um, you know, you're telling us about the kind of the mechanics of accident reconstruction. What is the goal? The goal is actually to find out exactly what did occur. There's uh, statements from parties, statements from witnesses. They could be correct. They could be incorrect. I've handled numerous traffic accidents and done traffic accident reconstructions where the statements vary so much that you can't even use some of them. Yeah, and so how do you resolve that? Uh, Basically, if the statements don't match, you kind of set them aside other than basic directions of vehicles, and then you rely on physical evidence such as damage to vehicles, skid marks, if they still leave them other factors uh, regarding the uh, vehicles themselves. And so the work that you do, that's necessary because there is some dispute, I take it. Like, you know, this guy says he ran the red light, and the other guy says, no, he he ran the red light. That's correct. That kind of thing. Yeah, I had a case where I um, used Lauren to investigate who made the unsafe lane change. And Lauren basically figured out that how the vehicles met our client was in the lane and the other person, you know, went into our lane of traffic. And I remember another case, though, which wasn't as positive, but Lauren kind of nipped it in the bud for me. So I didn't pursue something which would not going to pan out later. He measured it was a rear end type collision, but he measured the bumper size. If you remember this case, Lauren, and it turned out that there was no way the person that we thought had rear ended our client had hit her because they, the bumpers didn't match up. Right? I believe that was the Valley College case. Yeah. Case, yes. Yeah. And Without mentioning names. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, there, we, we won't mention names on the radio, but it was no. the Valley College case. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, Valley College had nothing to do with it. Yeah. but That's where he went to look at the vehicle. I yes. Think. But then we looked at a case where uh, the other party had rear-ended our client, but they claimed that there was no damage to their car, so how could that have been a mechanism for injury, basically? And when we, what we did is we went out to a body shop, and we had the, we opened up the hood, we put it up on the rack, and we just, we found that even though the bumper didn't show much, very much damage, inside the uh, frame and the uh, the motor mounts had been affected, and the inside the motor itself had been moved from the impact. Remember that case? Uh, briefly, yes. Yeah. Uh, that does happen. Uh, just because there's a bumper-to-bumper strike, it doesn't mean that the bumper is going to sustain a lot of damage. The damage could be transferred in and actually occur to the uh, frame of the vehicle. Yeah, so that was a big. That was a deal killer. I mean, actually, between being a zero case versus being thousands of dollars case because of that investigation. How do you uh, get that expertise, or how did you get that kind of uh, uh, knowledge to be able to do that? 
Well, with the police department, it was actually handling over 15,000 at-scene traffic accidents. Uh, it was taking physics and uh, courses in college. And then uh, the uh, Los Angeles Police Department actually sent us to uh, Northwestern University Traffic Institute's uh, Vehicle Dynamics course and Traffic Accident Reconstruction 1 and 2 course. No kidding. But most of it is just from general knowledge of handling uh, the large amount of traffic accidents. 15,000, that's a lot. Yeah. Did you ever, at, at one point, like at you know 14,500, say, I've had enough of this stuff? <laughs> that's an interesting question, Rob. But now, how do you figure... Well, he didn't answer it. You didn't let him answer uh, well, it. It was kind of a silly question. But Not go really. Ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. Well, basically, what I did was I took the average of traffic accidents I handled uh, in a month and then uh, multiply it by 12, multiply it by... Uh, 25. So, and how do you figure out some of it like this, how much crash or force has been exerted on a vehicle? There's different test material that does help. And what they do is they have different associations or different companies that actually stage collisions, you know, crash one car into another. They have them instrumented. And then from there, they can uh, pull out the uh, information and uh, do calculations if they need to to determine what the forces are or the accelerations that were uh, felt inside the vehicle. Because that's important to show that there may not be a mechanism of injury versus a mechanism for injury, right? The amount of force. That's true. And the what do they call that, the delta V? And can you explain what that is? Well, the delta V is the change in velocity of a vehicle. So if you have a vehicle stopped, uh, you have a vehicle that hits it at, say, 10 or 15 miles an hour. When it accelerates the front vehicle, that is the change in velocity. So the striking vehicle loses speed. The uh, vehicle struck actually gains speed. And they have formulas to calculate what that delta V is. Is there a benchmark for a delta V over a certain amount where it's definitely an uh, injury-producing event? Well, there's... <laughs> There's been a lot of reports and a lot of feeling toward that. Uh, we've had doctors that feel that anything over maybe a uh, two-mile-an-hour Delta B definitely could cause injuries. Generally, it's uh, at least over five miles an hour. And that's like, you know, if you, just to kind of make it simple, if you were to, someone's just standing there, they have no idea they're, they're behind you, and they come up and they just shove you, uh, that's a that's changing your velocity, right? That's a delta V. That's correct, right? And that uh, it might not even be two miles an hour, but it but it could you know uh, injure someone in to some degree. Well, they use the benchmark of about five miles an hour or greater has the potential for injury, but that doesn't take into account the age of the person, the physical condition, right. the frailty, right. any prior uh, injuries. Exactly. And we have to take that into account because the law is you take the person as they come. So if you are a bad driver one day and you injure someone with your car, uh, it could be, you know, uh, the, the, uh, a young 25-year-old muscular person in there uh, or a, a little old lady. And, and it doesn't, and the, the way they're affected is going to be completely different, right? Right. So the little old lady could be injured and the young man could not. 
That's true. And the injury may or may not come from the impact itself. I actually had one where a very elderly woman was in a shopping center parking lot. Uh, one of the people from the uh, store was pushing a, a load of carts and the front cart broke loose and bumped into her car. Well, there is no Delta V. And if anything, it'd be like someone touching you with her finger. But it startled her. She turned around, and when she turned around to look, she sustained injury to her neck. That's that's Just by being startled, and she whipped her head around, and she was a little old gal, and that hurt her. Have you suffered or been injured by someone else's negligence? When you need a legal team that will stand up for what is right, won't give up the fight and obtain justice, call 818-886-6600. Mandel Trial Lawyers specializes in personal injury cases of all types. Whether it's a car accident, product or premises liability, dog bite, or a catastrophic injury, Mandel Trial Lawyers are there for you when the fight is worth it. Call now for your free consultation, 818-886-6600. Let the scales of justice tip in your favor. So, Lauren, can, can you tell us, you know, what's like the wildest or most crazy thing you've run across in, in your many years of investigating crashes? I mean, as an LAPD? Either way. Okay. Can you think of the, 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 something that stands out in your mind as being something that just kind of uh, turned out to be a crazy thing or kind of blew you away a little bit? Well... We've actually had a couple. I mean, we've had cars that have uh, gone through a college parking lot through the lawn, hit the the chain link fence, stretched it out, and the car fell directly straight down into the wash. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's significant speed. There were skid marks on the uh, uh, lawn itself or tire marks on the lawn to show that that person was braking. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've... We've just had a number of them. We've had uh, motorcycles hitting pedestrians at 80, 90 miles an hour. Really? We've had motorcycles hitting uh, left-turning vehicles at close to 100 miles an hour. It actually lifted the car and the motorcycle up into the air and overturned the car about, I think it was 8 or 10 feet away. Wow. And Did the motorcyclist yeah. survive that That's what crash? I wanted to know, too. No, he actually died, and yes. the passenger ah. in the right front of the car died. Oh. Really? So and it wait, was a bad left wait. turn. Go ahead, Rob. And, and so the left turner had some responsibility, but because the person is going so fast and driving so reckless, it was they, they had responsibility, too, it sounds like. Mm, actually, they didn't. Uh, prior to about a mile back, a bus, the motorcycle raced up beside a bus. Bus driver rolled his, opened his window and told the motorcyclist, you're going way too fast. Light changed, motorcyclist took off. They estimated between, they had two or three witnesses, between about 90 and 100 miles an hour. The car, it was nighttime, and the car, it was an elderly gentleman that uh, had his wife in the car and he was getting ready to pull into a parking lot. So if the motorcycle was traveling at a normal speed or even a little bit over a normal speed, then yes, because it'd be a left turn violation. But the fact that it was traveling so fast and only had one single headlight, there's no way he could 
even see the motorcycle or yeah. determine any kind of a speed. Yeah, that, see, that's an example of when a left-hand turner may not be at fault because normally a left-hand turner would be, you know, violating the person's right away that's going straight. Right? That's correct, and we have had a case like that. Me and you. Yeah, that's right. We did, <laughs> and yeah. we won. What happened? That's right. We won. Tell <laughs> so us what happened. So it was a similar situation where the the uh, other driver is just going way too fast, and, and the normal person wouldn't be able to perceive it. No, this was a little bit different. Tell this us. This was on Victory Boulevard, and the uh, our client, the left turner, pulled into the intersection. The light was green. Uh, the light turned amber, turned red cars in the number one and two lanes stopped at that time there was a pause still he didn't just jump and make his left turn and maybe a second or two pause then he started to make his turn and as he crossed the number three lane a car ran the red light and actually broadsided him but it's the vehicle code section really doesn't refer to any controls at an intersection that's right it's whether or not the driver is closer, close enough to pose a threat. That's pose, correct. Yeah, or and a danger. This driver, this left turner, since the vehicles in the number one lane stopped, number two lane stopped, and there was a delay or a time lapse, he had a reasonable expectation that all vehicles that uh, were approaching either stopped or were going to stop. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, BrothersOnLaw.com. Hey, if you missed any part of this show or you just want to hear it again, go to BrothersOnLaw.com for all of our previous shows and all things Brothers on Law. Now, you mentioned motorcycles, and I know you know motorcycles because you ride a Harley, right? Yes. So you've done accident investigations collision investigations about motorcycles because you also because you take from your background as a motorcycle cop right and also as having a motorcycle to this day okay i wasn't a motorcycle cop. oh so you never rode a motorcycle not on the police department i see okay but i've ridden a a, a, a fact about lauren that you didn't have right well, a fact that I just learned about, but yeah. thank you, Lauren. So you were you you even though you do ride a Harley as a as a police officer, you were always in a in a uh, patrol car. I ride a Harley, but I was in a patrol car, so I never rode with a police department. Okay, but you did plenty of reconstructions of motorcycle collisions and crashes. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, what you know, isn't it kind of true though that a guy like you? you know, an accident reconstructionist, you're needed, you're required for the most part because people don't tell the truth when they get in these crashes. Well, I don't know about Wait, that. Wait, I'm talking to Lauren. Here, okay? <laughs> yeah, but I got I to gotta stop <laughs> you if they don't tell the truth. Hold on. No, I mean, because, you know, you, you got to get involved because there's a dispute. And, so, and in a dispute, somebody's not saying it straight. Well, when you take a statement... Sometimes the people are, both sides are totally um, correct, okay? Or consistent, anyway. Yeah, they're consistent with one another. Other times, they're not, and this could be during a red light. But it's not always one party is lying, but it's what they actually think they saw or what they think happened. Right. And that's where we kind of come in, and we have to try and sort it out. 
and if we can, we will reconstruct it. And if we have enough information, then we can determine speeds of the vehicles, locations of the vehicles, and who ran the red light. And what about the so-called black box? Does that help the data retrieval system in the car? That does help a lot. It, it doesn't help for, well, it would help for the red light because if you do a download on it, it gives you a lot of information. It tells where the seatbelts were buckled, uh, tells whether uh, the speed of the car, what gear you're in in the car, where the car is uh, accelerating, braking, or just rolling. And uh, it will tell you what the Delta V is. I see. And so there's a way of, what, do you download that from the black box to a program? Is that how they do it? That's correct. Yeah, that's important. Well, I think I think it is important to get at the, the, the truth of these things any which way you can. We have a duck. We yeah. have a duck in the in the room. That's a truth duck. Yeah, the, the duck of truth. Was that was that your phone, Lauren? Yes, it was. Yeah, okay, sorry. we're all looking around, going, "Where's our duck? We got a duck heck? in the studio now. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, a pet who let, duck. Who let the who let the duck? Who let the Donald Duck in the in the uh, in the? Or that might have been Daffy. But, well, it, worked, um, it works very well you know, on I mean, the golf course. But you know, as as lawyers who are involved in these kinds of cases, we have uh, various tools at our uh, disposal, and one of the most important tools is a guy like yourself, because it is so often that that there is some kind of dispute, and we have to figure out a way to resolve it. And um, you know, uh, with uh, I take it there are times when. You know, you've done your reconstruction, you've talked to the witnesses, or you've looked at their depositions, you've looked at the police report, you've done your measurements, maybe you looked at the, the black box data, and um, you have one opinion, and then another expert for the other side comes in, and they got a completely different view, right? That is true, and I just had one like that. Tell us about yeah. it. This was a freeway crash. Our client had a pickup truck. Uh, he was traveling on the freeway. There was uh, several cars that were hit. Uh, the, I won't say the agency, but they worked for the state, came out and uh, did their investigation. And they wrote a report. And they have certain policies or methods that they use that eh, really are not the right way to do it. But uh, they don't have the experience to reconstruct the collision right there at the scene. They don't analyze the damage to all the vehicles to determine who actually hit who. And we had five cars that were involved in this. Um, the first one they said occurred, the first impact was a side swipe. But they didn't really listen to the party's statement. The party's statement basically was she was driving 55 miles an hour. She felt something shake on her car. And when she looked to the side, she saw a car on fire and explode. Mm. That was actually the final impact. Oh, my gosh. She pulls to the center divider. Another car pulls in front of her. That driver gets out, looks at the, his car, and says there's damage, gets back in his car, and leaves. So our car didn't hit her car. 
and there's no damage to our car, our client's car, that uh, supports that we actually hit her. Oh, wow. And then the second impact was a rear-end impact, a full rear-end impact, and that was to car number three. From that, our vehicle should have either stopped or had just barely been rolling. But instead, they had our client's car accelerate, go over to the right, and hit a tractor trailer rig. The problem was the statement from the driver of the tractor trailer rig said he was going about 45. He felt something happened to the trailer, and when he looked in his mirror, he saw a ball of fire. So he was actually past the accident. The the last impact. So he didn't he didn't see anything. So you were right, and the other side was wrong. Well, bottom line, it gets better. Uh, we may not have time today, but uh, oh, that's right. Well, can you give us a uh, give us the thirty second. Yeah, uh, how okay. it got how it got. Yeah, our car supposedly uh, changed direction, went over to the left, and was rear ended by another car, full rear end. Oh, jeez. That car within eighteen feet jumped over our car. And we ended up uh, hitting two cars uh, on the sides, kind of like a side swipe. That's where the tank was ruptured and the fire occurred. Well, the car that supposedly jumped over ours had all front end damage, which matched the car, the number three car's rear end. So the only actual impact we did was the last impact. Uh, so the moral of the story is that you got to have somebody like Lauren to figure this out with a multiple car collision like this. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Hey, so. And, um, and, and tell the truth. Yes, Rob. Tell the truth. We're Larry and Rob Mandel, the brothers-in-law, here on Go Country 105. Do you have a legal issue you need help with? We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram and send us a message. Then tune in on Saturdays at 8 a.m. right here on Go Country 105. Okay, so it's time for a fun fact of the day. Actually, Larry, I think we're gonna we're gonna check our me- our message box. Okay. at this point. Sure. Hi, brothers on law. This is Peter from North Hollywood. I just recently got a tattoo and developed a staph infection uh, from the area around the tattoo. My question is: Is the tattoo shop liable for the expenses incurred with the staph infection? So, Larry, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about Peter? And his problem there. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'd have to look into what kind of uh, ink they used and what type of uh, way that they sterilize their, um, you know, their process. Because, yeah, uh, I think there's a responsibility here to make sure, and we'd have to dig into it to figure it out. I got to disagree there. You think Um, it's... Nah, I I think if you're getting a tattoo, you you have... Staff, uh, st- staff bacteria is in the air. It's it's on people's skin. I think it's kind of you know one of those things that can just happen, no matter how uh, clean they 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 do it. And I mean, I think it's a it's a tough one. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't sign a waiver saying I could get a staff infection. I'm sure. I, but that, I don't I don't know that you need to sign a waiver. I think that going in and having something done like that entails that risk but you know um i would take the case i guess you wouldn't but i would probably look into it yeah i'm not sure you know i mean it depends if it was a temporary situation or not you know if it became one of these things where he just couldn't get rid of it like a MRSA, mm-hmm. you know then Got then it. then for sure but you know a temporary 
situation um, and you're just going to have so much. Uh, it's like we were talking about with Lauren. You know, there's going to be an expert saying, oh, yeah, the needle should be perfectly clean. You should never get an infection. And there's going to be another expert that says you can't avoid it. No matter how clean you keep it, you you know, you, you can possibly get an infection. Okay. So, Peter, uh, uh, let's see how you do, man. Yeah, and then, good then luck, touch Peter. base with us. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is time to wrap up our show and sign off. And we want to thank Lauren Starks. Thank you so much for informing the public and us about uh, accidents and accident reconstruction. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Lauren? Uh, they can either go online and just put in the search engine uh, DNS investigations, or they can just Google my name and it will come up. And how do you spell your name? Lauren, L-O-R-N-E-S-T-A-R-K-S. All right, okay. and it's D and S, right? That's correct. You, you and Larry be going DNS, DNS, but it's D ampersand S that, investigations. That's right? correct. All right. Well, listen, if you've missed any part of this show, or you want to hear it again, or you want to listen to our previous shows, go to brothersonlaw.com for all things Brothers on Law. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in and check out our next week's show at the same time, 8 a.m., right here on Go Country 105. And remember, let the scales of justice tip in your favor. The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice.